everybody, this is Recovery is Possible, and this episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat Substance Use and Mental Health Treatment Centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. Reach out today at RetreatBehavioralHealth.com or call at 855-802-6600 for more information. And today, I want to bring to you another conversation that I had with Aparna Saint on her show, Mindful Nation, and uh, went back live at the studio at uh, WERA uh, 96.7 there in Arlington, Virginia. It was a great time. Enjoyed talking with her. And what we did was we talked about the integration of recovery and mindfulness and meditation and how this can help you in your recovery. I mean, after all, step 12, if you're a 12-step person, is having had a spiritual awakening uh, try to carry the message to those that continue to suffer, right? So having had a spiritual awakening. And we discussed this topic on her show, and uh, we've been doing this series where I've been on her show and she's been on my show, and it's really, really, really good, and it's fantastic information that will help you with your recovery journey or those that you know that need to be in recovery. So with that, here is the interview that she did of me last week. Welcome to Mindful Nation Radio. I'm your host, Aparna, and we're delighted to have another 30 minutes here with a wonderful guest joining me today. We've got Mike Van Meter, who is going to be joining me to talk about his show, which is uh, Recovery is Possible, which talks goes into a lot of depth around um, recovering uh, from alcoholism and, and other addictions. So we're going to be spending some time talking about the integration of recovery and also mindfulness and how that can be a really helpful tool. So welcome, Mike. Oh, welcome. Oh, well, thanks for having me here. Yeah, it's delightful to have you. And uh, I, Mike has his own show, Recovery is Possible, on, on WERA. Uh, FM and uh, Mike's show airs right after mine, so that's kind of how we met. I was really intrigued by some of the some of the content that he covers on his show, and I'm kind of really intrigued by the um, the synergy between mindfulness and how valuable tools like meditation, yoga, and even uh, kind of a deeper understanding of spirituality can be instrumental in people in recovery. In fact, Mike had mentioned that it's one of the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. So Mike, share a little bit about your journey, how you got to recovery is possible and maybe you can even share a little bit about your own recovery journey yeah absolutely by the way starting off it's funny as you mentioned my show is right after yours and so when you introduced me i was like welcome i was saying welcome to you but wait a minute i'm on your show (laughs) so but thanks for having me on the show and um, i get asked that uh, quite a bit like how in the world did you get into this business to begin with because you know if you know my background you know i was military i was a police officer i was an fbi agent and so like that's not 
typically the career path, you know, being a counselor, drug and alcohol counselor is not, uh, you know, typically the career trajectory that you have to get into uh, counseling. Although, if we have time, I can talk about this. I actually think it's an excellent transition career-wise for a lot of different reasons. But um, that being said, how I got into this, um, uh, give the real, real, real nutshell, and maybe some other time we can talk about the entire story. But the bottom line is this, because I'm going to get to the crux of how I'm doing this and and um, and talk about the, the spiritual awakening. Uh, I'm in recovery myself for alcohol. Been over for in recovery for over a decade uh, at this point, and that was a long journey to to get to. And I never made that a secret. Um, that recovery, that is the. Uh, it was never something that I kept secret from anyone. And it, as it turns out, um, when all this happened, I was at, at the FBI Academy. I was an instructor down there. And down at the FBI Academy, you have a couple of different programs. You have one program for the new agents and, and analysts, the employees of the FBI. But they, they also have another program called the National Academy. And the National Academy is a program designed to provide leadership training for police executives, camp command level, the captain and above usually. And these are people that are already the chief of police or sheriff, or they're being groomed to become the chief or sheriff. So it's a pretty high level group of people. And that's where I was teaching. And like I mentioned, that is a leadership program. And we talk about programs, policies, procedures that agencies should have for their employees. Well, the big issue these days is mental health, wellness. Those are the yes. things that you and I talk about. Well, it's true in the in the police world. And I was uh, asked because there were uh, lots and lots of comments from the police executives about, hey, we need to do more for our employees. So being in recovery myself, the and in, in, in being an instructor, I was asked to put together a class on addictions, but not just addictions, but PTSD, suicide, family violence, th- those types of issues. And we did it, and the, the name of the course is Leading at Risk Employees. It's still taught there to this day. And then when I, after I retired, because I had been known for doing that, and at his, I've been asked to go around the country to talk to police agencies. In fact, I'll be in Ohio next week talking to the highway patrol out there about addiction. I became known for that, and when COVID hit, uh, I sat down with my wife and she said, well, why don't you go back to school and get licensed and get another degree in order to do this? And so I did. I went back to the Hazelden Betty Ford Graduate School for Addiction Studies, got a degree and interned up at a treatment center up in Maryland, did that for a year. That was part of the degree program. And now I work at a major hospital here in Northern Virginia. And so uh, that this is what I do full time. It's my retirement job. It's a uh, pretty intense shot because I work in the detox unit. Now, what got you there? Was it the, your own personal recovery journey that got you into, uh, you know, all this work around recovery? Yeah, because like like I mentioned, it was not something I kept a secret. Mm -hmm. And when the need was there at the academy, I already was an instructor there. And so the staff said, well, you'd be perfectly suited to develop this, this course because of my, not just my academic background, but my, my personal background. Your personal journey. Yeah, yeah, my personal journey. And so uh, I usually started off every class. It was a 10-week class every time we did four times a year. I would, day one or day two, usually, day one is more administrative and checking in. And then day two, um, which is really the first day of classes, I would t- I would actually tell my, my story, you know, what led to Sharing me this, needing to be it, in recovery. 
Yeah. And I think that the personal element of it what is what really uh, intrigued me about your story and also just you know, I think there are a lot of principles in the 12 steps of recovery mm-hmm. that we all I I would argue that most of us need to go through a program like that because whether oh, yeah. it's addiction from alcohol and some of these are more um these are social taboo addictions, but a lot of us suffer from addiction of whether it's food or socially acceptable addictions. But we are all using a lot of different ways to cope with our life. Mm-hmm. So alcohol is a really big one that can have a negative impact. Mm-hmm. But there are also things like sugar, food, uh, now these like plant-based um, uh, medicine or marijuana. Know, marijuana. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just so much now, right? Yeah. So. Um, um, I think that most oh, of us relationships can actually relationships. Yes, sex. Can, sex. Uh, yeah, those yeah. are those are what are known as the process addictions, and those exactly. are like you said, socially acceptable, but very damaging. Can be very damaging. Yeah. Yeah, because the internal damage is the same. So, mm-hmm. so whoever, whenever we have addictive behaviors internally, is still the same damage. That's why I think that all of us can benefit from uh, being able to um, go through a program, right? So, because let's say that I. I can admit that I have an addiction to, let's say, sugar. Mm-hmm. Well, what is the process I go to, to through to heal myself? Mm-hmm. And how do I get over that? One of the things that happens with the socially acceptable addictions is that we tend to play the blame game with ourselves. And so this is where I think we get into trouble because then we're trying to shame ourselves into changing our behavior, and that never works, mm-hmm. right? So that's why in the spiritual path, uh, our relationship, the, the most important relationship we will ever have is that one with ourselves. True. So yeah. in the recovery program uh, of the people I know who have been through that, it's really a, a very well, a, like a step-by-step approach to being able to get a better, healthier relationship with ourselves. And like you mentioned, that the first step is just admitting that we're powerless with this addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Powerlessness, you know. There's, so there's two components to the first step: powerlessness and unmanageability. So it's it's a, it's a two part thing. And interestingly enough, the only time the addiction is ever mentioned in the twelve steps is in the first step. It's never mentioned again after that. Now you can step one of AA because all really all of the programs that you can imagine that are out there are derivatives of the 12-step program and those that aren't directly related to the 12-step program are either an attempt to um, add to it or take take away from it and what I mean by that is uh, it's interesting it's interesting um, the, the 12-step program of AA is one of the most misunderstood programs that's out there and Many, many people have not only an opinion of it, but a very strong opinion, but without really having attended meetings or really understanding the history of the program. that's interesting. uh, It's almost like somebody come up to you and saying, hey, you should go see this movie. Um, It was really good. And you say, I don't want to see that movie. I heard it sucked. And you go, (laughs) oh, I didn't know you already saw it. Uh, when did you see it? And you go, well, I haven't seen it, but but I heard about it and, and I know it sucks. And you're like, but... But you didn't see the movie. That's kind of how AA is treated now. Um, so people either um, uh, they, they came at and developed a new program to be an answer to AA. Either, usually, it's because they either think it's too religious or it's not religious enough, and that that 
that created two different branches of directions of where, where groups were created. But having said that, we're going back to powerlessness and unmanageability, this this idea, you know, a lot of people come in and say, I don't want to be a member of AA because it's too religious. You're going to make me believe in God. And we say, well, nobody's going to make you believe in God. Nobody makes you. Yes, you do. You have God in uh, you know, in the steps, it actually talks about God. And we say, well, no, there was a time in this country where the term God could be used, you know, universally as just a sign of a power that's, that's greater than yourself. But I always challenge those people and say, you know, when you say you don't believe in God, I'm going to point out the hypocrisy to you. You believe in a God. And they go, no, I don't. Well, actually, you do. Because when you're talking about your addiction, um, just, just take alcohol, for example. I'll just take my own life um, in, in this regard. Alcohol, and I asked the patients this, does, did alcohol, if that's what brought you in, did it tell you where to go, when to go, who to go with, if you were going to go, um, you know, all these different things? Did it not dictate your whole life? And in fact, uh, when people are locked down, like when we had Snowmageddon here in 2012 or during COVID and nobody was leaving the house, did, would you go, did you go to any length to get your alcohol? No matter what happened, we could have a nuclear holocaust going on and you still would have found alcohol. <laughs> and the answer to that is, of course, if you're an alcoholic, you know what I'm talking If you're listening to this and you're an alcoholic, you know what I'm talking about. Well, what I point out is that sounds like a god. Something it controls than, you. Yeah. Something greater than yourself. So you may not believe in God the way that I believe in God, but you believe in a God and you worship and you worship faithfully every day and the patients are usually like yeah you're right that's powerlessness unmanageability right powerlessness unmanageability it's just that you're believing in something that is greater than yourself that's not serving you yeah so and that's why I like the integration of this and spirituality because um, and any journey where you have to go deeper within yourself is going to be even a spiritual journey by itself I know this from my own personal experience that dark night of the soul mm. piece of it is very intense it was not something I had uh, planned or expected so it catches you by surprise but it's very real when it happens I can I can feel the goosebumps on my arms now just mm-hmm. thinking about it but mm-hmm. um, so any journey where we go deeper uh, within ourselves we have to face the good and the bad of ourselves and that's not comfortable Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, I used to think that a journey to self is like a lot of it is about, you know, feeding yourself nice, good food, being healthier, working out, taking care of all your, you know, feel good type of needs. But it's also dealing with your emotions the way they are mm-hmm. and accepting them. So acceptance mm-hmm. is the number one principle and the spiritual side is self-acceptance, acceptance of others acceptance of everything just the way it is and then looking to you know go how you process it is up to you so accepting mindfulness is basically accepting each moment just the way it is Mm -hmm. and it's totality yeah and i i agree with that and that's why if you look at the coin and i have a coin in my pocket it has my sobriety length length of sobriety and many people in long-term recovery have that 
If you pull the coin out, if I was to pull it out and you look at it, it says 24 hours a day because we look at recovery in 24 hours. We, we never look beyond that, right? And this is going to the point that you just made, and that is you're looking at the moment and you accept the way things are right now, right now. And we only look at that 24 hours because will I be sober tomorrow? I don't know. I don't even know if, if you think about it, and most people don't think this way, but it's obvious. Are you even going to be alive tomorrow? Yes. You don't right. know. Nobody, oh, of course I will. No, you actually don't know that, right? right? So the way that we look at it in recovery is the way that we bring it into the present is we focus on that. You don't know if you're even going to be alive tomorrow, so don't worry about it. And I'm not talking about don't plan, you know, for you're going to go to college and career. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is don't obsess about this. What we, uh, we talk about not living in the future that it hasn't occurred yet, right? Catastrophizing is what mm-hmm. we call it. We, because particularly with addicts, we look out to the future and it's always negative that bad things are going to happen i'm not going to ask her out because she'll say no i'm not going to go for that job because they're just going to turn me down in that job and what we do is we prevent ourselves we live in fear and we start to not live life because we are afraid of what's going to happen but these are things that haven't happened yet over 90 percent of the things that you bad things you think are going to happen to you never happen yes because so we have to live in the present and not just that but it's also our mind is gravitates any human being our mind gravitates towards the negative so if you go throughout your day you know and i i i always uh tell people this in my classes is that if you go throughout your day and you have 10 people of 10 people let's say eight people say something nice or positive to you two people say something negative those two thoughts are going to linger in your mind all day long Mm -hmm. So we hold on to the negative. Yeah. And then it just, whatever we, wherever attention goes, that's where energy flows. Mm -hmm. So then that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And next thing you know, all of a sudden we've got a monster in our mind, right? Oh my God, I'm going to stay away from that person because they said that. Isn't that amazing though? How, because you you teach, you know, and and I teach and we do evaluate. I'm sure all the classes you have, you get evaluations and feedback from your students. And you can have, out of 100 students, you can have 99 students that says, a party was the greatest instructor I've ever had. She's awesome. We need to clone her and have but you get one student who's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh this this class sucked, right? Now you had ninety nine that said that you were the greatest thing since sliced bread, but your mind goes to the one. Yeah. Right? You're one and then you obsess over that. But that's how we're wired. The negative we're wired in a lot of ways to be negative if you think about yeah, it and yeah it's, it's a shame that that's our upbringing that's why I think some of these programs are beneficial to uh, kids I, I wish I had some of this knowledge when I was in even in college or high school or any of those places because uh, early on is when um, these things really leave an imprint in our way of being and in our mindset and um, there's not enough education well maybe now there is but when I was growing up I didn't feel like it was enough to keep me away from that that negative mindset Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I started doing spiritual work that I started seeing it and then recognizing it for what it is and started to shift it so one thing I wanted to mention about um, you know not being alive tomorrow or we don't know if we're coming back tomorrow that's why in our spiritual practices one of the practices I love is when you wake up in the morning you tell yourself you you just appreciate that you are alive Mm. when you start the day Mm -hmm. so you say thank you the first breath you take you say thank you that I'm alive and today you know I'm here healthy and ready to start my day Mm -hmm. yeah sense of gratitude 
sense and of we do that a lot with the patients you know we, we in fact the first thing we do at the hospital one of the things we do a check-in in the morning and we see how they're feeling physically and emotionally and then we will ask them about um, their gratitude what are you grateful for today and no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your circumstances are, you can have something to be grateful for. And in our world, in the, in, in the detox unit, it could be you're here. You can be grateful for that because the fact is, in the hospital setting that we're at, most people will never get there. I mean, I just throw out uh, th- these numbers for every patient that we have. There's probably a thousand, just in Fairfax County alone, which is where the hospital is, there might be a thousand plus patients or people that ought to be there that are not there and will never get there. Most people will never get into long-term recovery. And there's a, we can do a podcast on or a radio show on, on the reasons behind that. Maybe even when we, we do my show today, we can touch upon that a little bit. Most people will never get there. But you guys are here when I'm talking to the patients. You're here. That's something to be grateful for. And you're alive. You're breathing. I love that. Yeah. I love that, actually, because I have personally have gone through a phase in my life where um, – I someone asked me what am I grateful for and this was when my financial market the job was mm. crashing and I said not a damn thing and you know <laughs> that was years ago and yeah. it was just like I can't believe I actually said that in an audience in a corporate it's a real feeling it's a legitimate feeling feeling. and you know I I was reaching I couldn't find anything I was like "Mm -hmm, nothing because if you know I put it out there but it is very important and so you Mm -hmm. start with the being here is what you're most grateful for and actually this takes us into our next segue uh, next segment of our show which is to talk about if there was one thing because you're, you're right a lot of people a lot of us who suffer from addiction or not even recognize that we're suffering from addiction mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people are out there key, that's yeah. why this is one of the number yeah. one problems facing uh, America today mm-hmm. is because people don't even know that they have a problem we've got so many coping mechanisms out there mm-hmm that we don't know we have a problem unless um, you know something else happens unfortunately sometimes it's very dramatic where you could be consequences sick or yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so unless something like that happens a lot of us don't even know we have a problem so what is the first step towards or I'm sorry not first step I will say what is the most important piece in your own personal journey that you think uh, we should all kind of really be aware of and to practice actually mm-hmm. we talked about gratitude but what's something else that you think um, you know since you've been in recovery for many years now I would say first of all listen to others that have, have had experience right and I always equate it to to this in other aspects of our lives every other aspect of our life lives whether it's fitness whether it's um, money whether it's education right I mean after all we go to school to learn from others right and addiction is a weird thing it's the disease that tells you it's it's mental and physical right Mm -hmm. it's the body and the mind it's the only disease that we're aware of that tells you that you don't have it it's a weird thing it tell it, it, it put that's the denial you won't see what is painfully obvious to others so I think first and foremost and for me this was true you have to have that willingness to listen to others that know what they're doing. They have proven success, 
right? For example, uh, if I want to be a college quarterback, right, let's say, and I and somehow somebody says, you know what, um, we are going to set you all summer, you're going to be able to spend the summer with Tom Brady, let's say, and, and you're going to take all these lessons from Tom Brady. Imagine, if you will, if I work with Tom Brady and he gives me all this advice and I go, well, you know, uh, Tom, you know, thank you for the time to do this. I really appreciate it. really like your mansion. It seems like, you know, <laughs> the accommodation is really nice and I appreciate all the advice, but uh, I actually kind of have my own way of being a quarterback, and um, <laughs> I, I, th- this is what I've always done, and so I'm just going to stick with that. But thank you for your time. And you would think, well, that's what? Why would you? This guy is the number one quarterback that, that's ever been produced, and you're not going to do anything that he suggested to you? And that sounds silly in that context. You put it in the context of recovery, we run into that every single day now i'm not being critical because i was that guy it was like i hear what you're saying i'm glad that works for you but i have my own here's what here's what i find works for me but you got to understand the context that i'm having this conversation we're in a detox unit or we're in a treatment center and the patient's telling me that and to an outsider you would listen to this conversation you're like is this person insane why are they doing why are they saying that but it's a weird thing about the disease it's you think that every that's the fantasy of of every addict is that they can continue to use safely and like like for for drinking that they can go back and be a normal social drinker when those days are over but that's mm-hmm. the fantasy of it you know what you're, it's it's a shame that you're an alcoholic and you can't drink anymore but but i'm different than you we all we always think that we are mm-hmm. different when we're really Absolutely. not we're and not. that's a very important point because that's true with any addiction mm-hmm. you always think oh no mm-hmm. i got this right because mm-hmm. our mind is so those strong. are the famous last words i got this yeah yeah and but i think the other piece of it that's really intriguing to me is the spiritual piece of the 12 step mm-hmm. because as we talked about in the beginning of the show yes it's it's helpful to believe in in something greater than ourselves and to con- want to connect with something greater than ourselves mm-hmm. so once we go through because where i think the spiritual piece is integral is in the sustainability of a 12 step because mm-hmm. i could very easily be someone that goes through a process like i personally have been through hundreds of spiritual retreats so i i love being in that that zone i love being in that in that environment i've been in the himalayas meditating and i could easily have stayed and I wanted to stay. Mm. But it's when you reintegrate yourself into society that you feel the the push, right? Because now you're in an environment, you're thrown in where things aren't going to, everything's not going to line up. You're not going to be meditating eight hours a day. So now you have to really test your own resolve and say, well, no, I am going to have a personal practice of this. That's mm-hmm. where rubber meets the road, I think, for a lot of these type of programs. How do we carry for six months, one year? I'm just always intrigued when I meet people who are doing the things for like 20 years, 30 years out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's that simple one or two decisions or things that we create, which we call personal practice and behaviors, mm-hmm. that really are instrumental. Like in the beginning, it may just seem like one simple thing. Okay, mm-hmm. have a, for me, it's like I have a meditation practice of two hours every morning. Well, it seems straightforward, but in the end, that's what carries you through year after year after year. Yeah, and you know what? And I actually think when we do my show and I'm we reverse roles, I'm talking to you. We're going to talk about that a little bit more because it it is it's discipline. 
Mm-hmm. It's doing those practices. We talked about that last week, you know, getting up and meditating. And uh, there's a lot of similarities between what you're doing and what we do in recovery. And that's to keep that equilibrium. And, and it's not allowing yourself to get too far off of that equilibrium. Bill Wilson, one of the co-founders of AA, actually said at one point, that um, resentments are the number one killer of, of addict, addicts, and that's that's allowing yourself to have a resentment and letting it get out of control, and then then you're going to go out. Okay, the way that you you kind of release yourself from that is drugs or alcohol. But what we do in recovery is not allow yourself to get to that point, and that's a spiritual process. Awakening. Well, thank you, Mike, mm-hmm. for as we conclude today's show. Thank you so much for being here. We love having you here, so I'm sure you will be back. We'd love to have you, and so much wisdom that you share from your own. <laughs> journey i love it and i know that our audiences are going to get a lot out of this whether you are in recovery from alcohol um, or you are just someone that appreciates being able to um, go deeper in your personal awakening and awareness mm-hmm. absolutely and thanks for having me this is My so much pleasure. fun yes i love yeah. having you here so with that we are going to sign off on today's show and as we concludes today's show we are going to take a 30 second pause here to actually go deeper in our own meditations so with that um, I invite you to relax get comfortable and see if you can just kind of take the next it's a very short pause so maybe 30 seconds um, to come into yourself and close your eyes That was my interview last week with Aparna Sain, the host of 
Mindful Nation. Uh, and we did that interview at WERA 96.7 in Arlington, Virginia. I always enjoy having her on my show and love being a guest on hers. And I was a guest on this particular show. And, and I know that this information is going to be helpful to anyone out there attempting to get into recovery. Hey, guys. And so this episode of Recovery is Possible was brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat substance use and mental health treatment centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. So reach out today at RetreatBehavioralHealth.com or call at 855-802-6600 for more information. And guys, we will see you next time here on Recovery is Possible. Check us out on Facebook, all of the socials. Recovery is possible, and it is possible. I'll see you guys next time. Take care.